Welcome to the Littler Artificial Intelligence Robotics and Data Podcast. Conversations about employers integrating robotics, AI systems, big data, and analytics into their workplaces in the United States and worldwide. Hi, this is Mickey Chichester from Littler's Robotics AI Automation Practice Group, where I am the co-chair. I'm here with Alka Ramchandani Raj to talk to you all about safety issues in connection with COVID-19 and deploying automated technology in the workplace. Alka is a safety pro in our Walnut Creek office at Littler, um, who's been instrumental in the response that Littler has prepared to COVID-19. And she's also an expert and has a deep interest in robotics and automated technology. As we've discussed before, if a job is dull, dirty, or dangerous, there's a good chance that automation could be taking its place in the near future. The COVID-19 environment has certainly accelerated that trend. In this environment, we're just being in close proximity to a person can be dangerous and gives rise to additional safety concerns. Alka, can you tell us a little bit about the current regulatory environment involving distancing in the workplace? So with COVID-19, most of us have experienced a lot of difficulty with social distancing in the workplace. And a lot of the new regulatory climate is surrounding how do we ensure that our employees are safe when they can't be in close proximity with each other due to exposure to COVID-19. So we're seeing a lot of changes and a lot of issues with employers trying to figure out how to comply with social distancing. We're going to see a lot of movement from different agencies, including CalOSHA, the Department of Public Health, and other agencies that are jumping into this aspect of how do we ensure that we are keeping our employees safe? And employers are going to have to deal with this question of how do we keep up production when our employees cannot be close to each other? And have we seen the regulators um, act on this at all with regard to, say, safety citations, penalties, anything along those lines? We've been living in this environment for more than six months now. So what have we seen in that regard? We have seen safety citations starting to trickle out of multiple different agencies. Cal OSHA has recently issued several citations. I want to say we've seen around 14 at this point ranging anywhere from minor penalties of approximately five, $600 all the way to $400,000 for safety violations relating to COVID-19. We also see similar things that have been coming out in other states. For instance, Michigan has issued a bunch of safety citations. They're not nearly as high as the penalties associated with California, but employers are still getting hit in other states, Michigan, Virginia, and so forth. And we've also seen several different states take more of a stringent look at their policies and procedures. We have seen them actually starting to develop emergency regulations. So Virginia has developed an emergency regulation, Oregon has developed an emergency regulation, And currently, California is in the process of drafting an emergency regulation that will include more specific safety citations relating to COVID-19 and more specific prescribed requirements for employers to follow. 
Okay, and do, do those requirements for employers to follow, do those include issues surrounding the social distancing that we've all been uh, dealing with and addressing since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic? Absolutely. We can definitely expect those emergency regulations, the ones that are forthcoming, the ones that already exist, to be trying to regulate social distancing as well as other requirements such as face masks, cleaning protocols, and other things that robotics can definitely assist with. As you said, it's dull, dirty, and dangerous, and that is a lot of what COVID-19 is. You raise a good point. We've, I think, seen various industries beginning to or accelerating adoption of robotics in the workplace. What are some examples of places where you've seen that adoption pick up as a result of COVID-19? So we've definitely seen a lot of employers pick up in areas of healthcare because, of course, right now healthcare is probably one of the most dangerous industries that we're looking at with COVID-19. They are our, our front runners when dealing with and addressing with helping patients cope through COVID-19. What types of technologies have you seen being deployed in hospitals and other healthcare centers? So in healthcare centers, we have seen cleaning type of robotic equipment that has been deployed. So instead of having housekeepers and other individuals who may not necessarily be fit tested with proper respirator usage or are not necessarily trained with aerosol transmittable disease protocols, they don't have the experience of being around people that are of high exposure. What we've seen is that many healthcare facilities have now utilized these robots to go in and do a deep cleaning per se using UV light to try to eliminate the virus particles that are inside the room. We've seen a lot of that and a lot of healthcare facilities have adopted that specific type of equipment. And obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that people are ordering more of what they need around the home versus going shopping. So I, I take it that automation has probably also entered into the logistics environment to help improve or as an added bonus, help improve social distancing. Absolutely. In logistics, uh, and we've seen over the years with many different employers that they've adopted having GPS-directed forklifts where they don't actually have individuals operating these forklifts, but they're all GPS-directed inside of the facility. And we see more logistic companies try to turn to that type of equipment because it eliminates the need to have as many employees operating equipment close to each other. Again, it goes to social distancing. It provides a lot of space for employees. It doesn't mean that we don't need employees in the workplace. We absolutely do. But their task can be a little bit more separate when they don't need to be operating equipment right next to each other. And I guess another place where we do see technology being deployed, and maybe not necessarily robotics, but in the retail space where it seems like automated checkout is even more prevalent these days than before. Uh, have you seen anything else in, in that industry that seems interesting and novel about the use of robotics or technology? Well, we definitely do see automatic checkouts, as you said. You know, we see more different companies adopt different type of automated checkouts. 
So we definitely are seeing companies have automated parts. They have the automated system that they can check themselves out. There is different scanning devices that they've done with retail that if you pick up certain objects, it automatically tabulates you if you carry around a card of some sort. So there's a lot of unique, innovative ideas that are out there to ensure that customers do not necessarily have to come in contact with employees. And of course, the less employees are exposed to customers, the less chance of external exposure with COVID-19. And I take it that even in something like the hospitality industry, there's probably some novel uses of robotics that can help eliminate some contact between humans and say a hotel, for instance. Absolutely. Hospitality is right now looking into some of the key areas that they had problems. Of course, they have automated check-in and check-out at many different hotels uh, across the nation. But what we're seeing is some more automation with room service. Uh, room service was one of the biggest questions, and of course, housekeeping, again, was another one of the biggest issues with COVID-19 when we're dealing with hospitality. How do you ensure that those employees are safe when you cannot be certain that your guest does not have COVID-19? So they're starting to look into different type of innovative strategies, including the use of robotics to be able to drop off room service and or clean the rooms so employees do not get affected with COVID-19. All right, so I think we've established that robots working in close proximity to people has accelerated in the past six months. There has to be some regulatory apparatus to help people work safely in an environment where there are autonomous technology-driven uh, robots rolling around the floor. What does that look like? So Cal OSHA and Federal OSHA have not necessarily developed specific regulation to deal with how employees can operate around integrated automated technologies, specifically when we're dealing with cobots or other equipment that they need to be around. However, we have seen a lot of different regulations being applied to those situations. So in many situations, they look to see what kind of engineering controls the employer has put in place. Essentially, it's important that when an employer decides to take on a new innovative type of technology, that they do a job hazard assessment around that technology to make a determination of what hazards actually exist. And part of that is vetting the equipment, and part of that is vetting who is going to be around that technology and how their presence around that technology can be affected. So what we see is uh, adoption of a lot of different engineering controls, ensuring that there's machine guarding around this new equipment so that employees cannot stick their hands inadvertently into any location that can cause them an amputation or worse. You know, you don't even want your employee to really get pinched uh, by any type of moving part of the equipment. So the first and foremost thing that employers need to do when they're thinking about taking on this innovative technology is to do that job hazard assessment and determine what engineering controls need to be added to that equipment to ensure their employees are safe. And can I stop you just right there? When we talk about engineering controls, 
for the audience out there who, who may not be completely familiar with OSHA jargon, I take it engineering controls are the physical or software coding that stops uh, a person from interacting in a way with a machine where the person is going to get hurt. Is that a fair summary? Yes, that's precisely what it is. It's either a physical type of construction that's put on the equipment or some kind of other data software measure that controls the equipment to ensure that an employee does not get caught in any hazard of that equipment. So a perfect example would be a sensor system that can be installed in the equipment or around the equipment. That if an employee is walking by the equipment, the equipment has sensors that detect the employee being in the location in close proximity to the equipment, and the equipment stops or stalls while it sees that employee in the eye of the sensor. That will prevent an injury because the equipment won't run into the employee or vice versa. So devices like sensors, other type of guarding around certain areas where there could be a pinch point. These are all engineering controls that can be implementing into the equipment itself to ensure that the employee uh, would not be injured. And there's other kinds of controls that employers, when we're talking about safety, that employers need to adopt or need to review as well. I, I read the word administrative controls. I know I've seen that before. What, what are administrative controls, Elka? So administrative controls are basically policies. They're basically things that we want to instruct our employees on to ensure that they understand the hazards that they're going to encounter when they are working around this piece of equipment. So uh, we have a duty as employers to ensure that employees are instructed on the hazards of the equipment and they're trained on how to avoid those hazards or how to ensure to uh, not be further exposed because of those hazards. So uh, a perfect example of that would be, and something I haven't mentioned yet is the emergency control of an emergency stop button that is, should be located on a majority of this type of equipment. Essentially, an emergency stop button is pressed, it stops the equipment, and it ensures that if the employee feels any type of danger or if for whatever reason they need to stop the equipment immediately, they have control over it. While an employee needs to be trained on how to use that emergency stop button, what that emergency stop button is, how to release that emergency stop button, when to do so, and that way an, an employee would be trained to be able to operate around the equipment safely. And what kind of policy changes should we anticipate uh, employers needing to consider when they start adopting automated technologies in the workplace? So those type of policies would be very similar to what we see in any other type of potential exposure. Now with COVID, Essentially what we're doing is we are training employees on exposure to the virus. We talk about preventative practices. We talk about things like hand washing. We talk about issues such as social distancing, wearing face coverings. We're basically telling them how to avoid the hazard. Similarly, when we adopt this new type of equipment, we're basically going to be teaching employees about the hazards and how to prevent being exposed to other hazards around the equipment. So for instance, we would tell them, make sure the equipment is always guarded. All the guards that have to be 
put on the equipment should remain on the equipment when it's in operation. You should never have to remove a guard, especially when it's operating. You want to train them on emergency stop buttons, how to utilize that, how to stop the machine when they need to stop the machine. You want to train them on the sensors, how the sensors detect employees or detect other impeding objects. And when there's a fault on the machine, how to clear the machine safely. There's a lot of different nuances, but essentially the employees that are working around the equipment should know how that equipment works, should understand any dangers that can be posed by the equipment. And all of this is really identified by the job hazard assessment. So if an employee does a very thorough job hazard assessment, they basically can identify a lot of these issues that need to be included in, in the policy and that the employee needs to be trained on. All right, and I, and I wanted to, this piques my interest. I read about collaborative robots and the adoption of collaborative robots or cobots. What are they? So cobots are essentially pieces of equipment that employees need to work together. They're basically there to help facilitate, make the job easier. Sometimes they help with lifting. Sometimes they help with other type of equipment that can pose other type of hazards to employees. So, for instance, when you've got a cobot, which is basically an automated device that an employee works very closely with to achieve a certain task, basically, like if we take an example of a cobot that assists with lifting criteria, and you know, you can see this maybe in the automated um, industry where they're, where they're making automobiles. You would basically see that the employee is working very closely with this artificial device that is assisting them with whatever job task it is. And this helps on multiple levels because it reduces medical type of hazards. So for instance, we could see a lot of ergonomic injuries, back injuries, or hand injuries where there's heavy lifting. When you've got a cobot that's introduced, it reduces those types of injuries, especially when there's routine repetitive work. Can it also help with social distancing and certain kind of scenarios? Absolutely. Because a lot of the time, if we take the example of a heavy lift, uh, it requires more than one person. With a specific type of robot, you could have a, a job task like that just to be done with one person with the assistance of a, of a robot. So essentially, it can eliminate the need of two people to work together to reach a common goal by having one person do it with an automated device. And are there any special safety considerations that employers should consider when deciding whether or not to adopt or implement cobots in the workplace? Absolutely. An employer should really determine whether it is something feasible and whether they can train their employees to be able to operate around this equipment. It's really important that when you're introducing any type of new equipment into the workplace, that your employees really understand the hazards. A lot of the time, training is provided to employees, but it's not quite digested by those employees. And that's where a lot of the problems originate. So it's really important that the employer does a thorough job of ensuring that they have identified all potential job hazards around that piece of equipment They've eliminated all the exposure that they possibly can. They train employees around those hazards and have proper administrative protocols. And they make sure that their protocols are effective. 
they should constantly evaluate their workers' comp numbers and their injury numbers to determine that the process that they have is effective. And they should ensure that employees are following the protocols that they've provided. Enforcement is an implementation is equally as effective in this situation and equally as important. So they have to make sure that their policies are effective, that they're properly implemented, and employees are really following those policies. How can lawyers help in employers in the adoption of automated technology like robots, cobots, artificial intelligence? What kind of help can we provide, particularly as it relates to safety? Well, there's a lot of things to think about. When an employer is thinking about adopting a new piece of equipment, let's say, it's important that they have to vet everything. Yet there may be things that they're vetting that they determine that they're unable to fix right away because there's no equipment that's been developed to be able to address that hazard, or there could be other issues that come up. It's a good idea to have an attorney kind of advise you through that because your audit of that piece of equipment to a certain degree can be privileged. And that way it wouldn't necessarily be producible if there is a product liability suit, a wrongful death suit, another type of injury suit, or you're dealing with workers' comp or you're dealing with OSHA. So definitely getting it together with a lawyer and making sure that your conversations when you're vetting a new idea and you're taking a look at hazards and you're conducting an audit is really imperative because it does provide you with that protection of privilege. And how can we help, say, after, after some pieces of technology are adopted, how can we help employers uh, make sure that they're operating in a, in a way that's safe and that will pass regulatory muster? So it's really important that as often as possible that employers are auditing their own safety policies and procedures. There are a lot of regulations that require annual review, but there are also regulations that require after any incident or any near-miss accident that there is a review of the policy to see if there's any deficiencies. So a constant audit of your safety policies and procedures are really important. And again, lawyers can help with that. Lawyers understand what the regulations require. We want to make sure you have all the different elements that are required under the regulation. For instance, sometimes you may want to use your own internal safety expert, and that person may know a lot about the ins and outs of the job hazard, but they may not be able to identify all the different elements that an inspector may look at. For instance, under CalOSHA, the General Injury and Illness Prevention Program requires identification of the custodian, duties of employees, duties of managers, who's going to be your record-keeping custodian, who's going to do an annual review or audit of the document, and they talk about safety committees and things of that sort. A lot of the time your safety expert may say these are the hazards that are in the workplace, but they may not be able to identify all of these other elements that need to be implemented, and they may not be able to identify specifically what should be included in those elements. That's where lawyers really come in. We know the case law, we fight these appeals, and we have a lot of experience with how the division would come down looking at those different elements. So that's where lawyers can really come in handy. Great, and I think we're getting close to wrapping it up, but I don't know if you want to venture any predictions. We're going to be in a post-pandemic world at some point in time. 
do you think there's any reason to believe that the pace of adoption of automated technologies in the workplace is, is going to change? I think the adoption is going to definitely be expedited over time. I think right now employers are on the process of evaluating 2020 to see exactly what deficiencies they have. Um, we've, of course, probably seen issues with and reduction in production and things of that sort. And I think employers are going to look for new innovative strategies to try to bring up production while we're still dealing with post-pandemic or still constant pandemic issues. So I, I definitely think that eventually we're going to see the adoption of a lot of this equipment increase. For the time being, I think employers are just trying to figure out how to continue operating while the pandemic's ongoing. So it may take some time to get there, but I definitely think that before the next pandemic hits, hopefully that won't happen for a very long time, but we'll be looking at a very different situation because of robotics uh, in the workplace. Well, thanks for your time, Alka. This has been Mickey Chichester, co-chair of Littler's Robotics, AI, and Automation Practice Group here with Alka Ramchandani Raj of our Walnut Creek office, a safety expert. If you have questions in regard to anything that we talked about here, you can find us on our website, www.littler.com. You can direct those questions specifically to the Robotics, AI, and Automation Practice Group, as well as the Safety Practice Group, and you can find those on our website. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.